One night in 1971 on a lonely North Carolina highway, a head-on car crash cost a young driver his family and very nearly his life. His doctors were sure he would never move again, but he triumphed over his disability and went on to become the wildest hero of all. Because he's real. Stanley presents The Human Fly. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 96, War in the Washington Monument, Human Fly, number 15 from cover date November 1978. Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Comic Book Time Machine Presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics. And this episode is a human fly episode. And why is it a human fly episode? Why are we talking about the human fly? Because we're talking about Marvel's licensed comic books. That's why. And they license the right to use the likeness of real-life stuntman human fly. So here we are at episode 15 and welcome to round two of episode 15. This is actually my second attempt at recording this. I can't find the first attempt. Um, uh, It was lost somewhere, perhaps in a weird naming convention that doesn't fit what I've been doing. I don't know exactly why it's gone, but it's gone. And you know, part of it, maybe I can't find it because it was so long since I've done a comic book time machine episode for Marvel's cosmic comics. Uh, but I, just for you who are listening, whenever there's a gap in comic book time machine podcasting for my episodes, uh, not for the other guys, cause they're doing things on their own time. They have other reasons, but for me, whenever there's a gap, uh, it's usually because I have a writing job that takes up my time, uh, which in this was the case. Um, I didn't have the extra time to do some comic book time machine stuff and comic book time machine is a podcast that is done primarily just for fun with really no other agenda other than have fun, read comics, have fun with comics. Uh, you know, welcome to level seven. That's the podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe that has an agenda, which is to cover every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it also has a timeline that goes along with that. If there's a movie that comes out, we're going to be doing an episode pretty soon after that movie. If there's an episode of the TV show that has happened, well, we're going to be doing an episode about that episode within a couple days. Uh, We're pretty much locked into a weekly schedule with that. Strangers and Aliens also is for fun, but there are other things in play in there as well. And primarily that I'm hosting almost every episode with, uh, other hosts and it's hangout time with my friends when that happens. And, you know, there's a serious side to it as well with the, the spiritual side and the, you know, I want to be, I want, I want, I hope it's going to be an encouragement to people and, 
both but both of those podcasts, Welcome to Level 7 and Strangers and Aliens, have other people involved that I'm working with. And so we have different kinds of obligations to each other than I do here with Comic Book Time Machine, especially with the Marvel Cosmic Comics. Here, my obligations are to have fun reading comics and hopefully give you, the listener, something interesting to listen to. Uh, and, and there's, you know, coming out of that, there's some cool things like maybe there's a bit of comics history that comes out of comic book time machine episodes and some comics theory that comes out of it. And maybe a bit of an opportunity for you, the listener, to hear about comics you might never, ever pick up on your own. Case in point, <laughs> human fly. Oh, the human fly. So we're back to it. I'm back to it. And away we go. Human Fly, number 15, cover date, November 1978. But we're going to take our time machine back to August 1978, or we already have taken our time machine back there. You know, sometimes time travel confuses me. Anyway, August 1st, 1978 is the on-sale date, cover price, 35 cents. Page count, 32 pages. And here's our team. Bill Mantlow, Lee Elias... Uh, Bill Mantlow, the writer, Lee Elias, the penciler, Ricardo Villamonte is the inker, Clem Robbins is the letterer, the colorist is Michelle Wolfman, and the editor is Bob Hall. And this issue is called War in the Washington Monument. And I'll admit, reading this story, I was a bit surprised. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't have been. Uh, if you followed the coverage of this series... A lot of times, Bill Mantlo is trying to focus on... Well, he's not trying to. He is focusing on this real-life stuntman who they have planted into the Marvel 616 comic book universe to have uh, exploits and adventures on the printed page uh, that goes beyond his real-life stunt career, which, by the way, at this point in time, that stunt career... Uh, included some pretty crazy stunts like riding on top of a 747 and then there was the failed Montreal rocket bike jump and the stunt career basically ended after that failed Montreal rocket jump and he was going to start that new music career you might remember that but uh, if you follow this coverage you've also heard about the kinds of exploits that Bill Mantlow has involved the human fly in and he takes on some pretty serious issues uh, while doing so in a story that has some pretty ridiculous action. Uh, I mean, there's things like uh, children in uh, negligent boarding homes for orphans. Um, there's the coal miners union issue. There's a number of times where we've had handicapped children in danger, um, but he does get into disability issues, uh, which is interesting to see uh, taking that on in the late seventies, which is when, uh, you know, I was very, very young, but as a very, very young child, my father was working with people who were dealing with uh, different kinds of disabilities. And he actually, uh, in some ways, is kind of a superhero in my own life because a big part of his job was to go into institutions and find people who had been institutionalized because of their handicaps, but who could survive outside of the institution who could be a part of a, like a group home. And the purpose of the group home was to graduate from the group home into their own um, living arrangement, like in an apartment or something like that. They still had people who would check in on them and make sure that they were okay. But uh, there was some, a couple of these people, uh, Harold and Gordon uh, who 
as a kid, I remember very vividly these men that my dad was working with and that he had taken them out of uh, an institution that when my dad tells me about some of the things that were going on in that institution, uh, you may have seen some documentaries, you may have seen some things like an American Horror Story, but um, the the truth is horrifying, simply more horrifying than American Horror Story because, uh, because it's true. And anyway... Uh, this comic book with the human fly is kind of taking on those issues, not the the deep, dark issues that I've been talking about with the institutional uh, arrangements that, that that a lot of people had, but um, because human fly himself considered himself a social crusader, he gave his profits to children's organizations and agencies, and in, in real life he did, and in on the printed page he's doing that as well and trying to bring. I don't know if it's bring awareness. Uh, well, no, it is. It's bring awareness to certain issues that are going on. And that's what's happening here is he's bringing awareness to an issue. And this issue is veterans' rights, uh, specifically wounded veterans who have, have come back from, uh, from action and who are not doing well uh, for uh, well, different reasons. But uh, this story... War in the Washington Monument uh, starts when Human Fly and his team, who uh, part of his team is Ted Locke. He's a Vietnam War vet who lost both of his hands, but now with two um, prosthetic metal hands, is Human Fly's stunt engineer, stunt designer. And they were going to visit a friend at the Veterans Hospital. But we open with a splash page where they're fighting the security guys. It turns out the security guys are not the actual security guys. These guys are, are there... Uh, in security uniforms because they are revolting against the hospital's administration. The hospital's administration is trying to get the records for these guys or from these guys uh, and take them away because there's um, there's a controversy. There's a, there's a scandal that the care is not as good as it should be. And by they're taking these records so that the, the information can't be used against them or something like that. Anyway, Human Fly and his team have been mistaken for bleeding heart liberal authorities who want to stop the war vets from the hospital, ta- from taking the, their own hospital records to prove that shoddy care is happening there. Uh, and Human Fly and his team are defeated and locked in a room with only one exit, and that's a window in the ceiling. So Ted uses his ingenuity, and Human Fly gives him his cape, and they use the cape to like a trampoline to bounce the human fly up to the window. He goes through the window outside and crawls along the edge of the building to re-enter through another window. Now, when he does this, he, um, I don't know how to explain this other than to say he fox a guard. What does that mean? Well, quite simply, it means the special effect the the use on the page is T H O K thock. So uh, after thocking the guard, he lets his team out, and they find out that the hospital administrators have actually yes taken all the hospital records, which means that the people who are in the hospital do not have access to those records. They're gone. So they make a phone call, let people know this is what's going on. The administrators are dirty, no good, no good nicks. And also the security guards are trouble. And then we get 
the setup for the real problem. Uh, you see, the person they were going to, to visit is a guy named Slick, and that's Ted's friend. And he is at the Washington Monument. I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, radio uh, announcement that this is happening because, honestly, it's all the exposition we need. Uh, this is a WTOP newsflash. Police have now re reconstructed the events that led earlier this morning to the takeover by two armed Vietnam veterans of the Washington Monument. They forced tourists and guards out at gunpoint. The vets threatened to destroy the monument if their demands are not met. Police are attempting to reason with them. And the demands, the demands are to bring the president. <laughs> uh, the president has to come to them personally and let them know that the hospital is being investigated. That's their demand. Uh, unfortunately, the president can't do that. Uh, we'll explain why in a moment. For now, the police are not letting human fly go into the situation because, of course, he's going to try and insert himself into this situation. Uh, even if he was Captain America, the policeman says, he would not let him go in there. And suddenly I'm having a flashback to when something like this happened to Captain America. in Issue number 332, 1987, 10 years later, in a much better story arc than we're going to get here Um Although that's unfair. This is from one of the best comic book story arcs I've ever read in my childhood, uh, let alone now. It's it's uh, the the opening issue for the trade paperback called Captain America, the Captain, which I highly, highly recommend. A great Captain America story where he gives up being the captain. They put someone else in the suit and uh, hijinks ensue. So anyway, the president can't come because the president, who is not named, but at this point in time would have been Jimmy Carter, uh, the president is in the Middle East. And so the police are trying to figure out what to do, but their de the demand of the guys in the Washington Monument that they're going to blow it up if they don't get to talk to the president, those demands can't be met even if they did negotiate with terrorists. So Human Fly talks his way in. The police let him go because it's going to blow up if they go in and human fly can, you know, climb up the elevator shaft or whatever. So Warren Washington Monument could is the title, but it also could be called elevator shaft shenanigans because it's uh, that's what happens next. Um, it turns out that the elevator itself, when it goes all the way to the bottom of the monument, it will activate the bomb. That's, that's a problem. Uh, so human fly is going up through the elevator shaft. Ted Locke gets on the radio and talks to the guys in the monument. And inside the monument, we have Larry, who is, uh, he has a piece of shrapnel stuck in his head, which might be causing him to see things and be paranoid. Although I, I maybe, I mean, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean you're wrong in this situation because there is definitely wrong uh, things happening with the care that they're getting. But this guy's a little more aggressive than he, maybe he should be <laughs> considering uh, what they're planning to do. The other guy is slick Gordon. Like I said, Ted Locke's friend who's paralyzed from the waist down. So Larry is the aggressive one slick. Needless to say is the, I don't know about this one. And the elevator gets activated as Human Fly is under the elevator. 
And then Human Fly cuts his way into the elevator, goes in the elevator, and then climbs out of the elevator and ends up over the elevator. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm just reminded of the fly and the cup. Um, Because it's how I used to teach prepositional phrases. Uh, Whatever the fly does with the cup is a prepositional phrase. You know, the fly can fly in the cup. The cup, the fly can fly around the cup. And the human fly is going through the elevator. On top of the elevator, they start shooting. Well, I shouldn't say they. Larry starts shooting down at it and at him and misses. And this is where it's it's our it's it's our contractually obligated ridiculous moment in a human fly story. This is ridiculous. This is A-team ridiculous. And on the A-team, it wouldn't even be this bad. They wouldn't do this scene in the A-team. They just wouldn't. Uh, He's shooting through an elevator shaft at a guy on an elevator that is coming up toward him. This is the closest thing to actually shooting fish in a barrel that you're going to get in a field situation. (laughs) And he misses over and over again. Uh, now, the elevator is going up because Human Fly has activated that. Uh, they send the elevator back down again, and Human Fly rides the cable up and past the level where Slick and Larry are. Now, remember how Larry couldn't hit Human Fly? He couldn't hit a human sized target in the elevator shaft, but he has perfect aim. This time when he fires and hits the cable of the elevator and the elevator begins to plummet, sort of. But Human Fly, I don't know if it's part of the plan, but he's definitely glad that this happened because it activated the hydraulic brakes. So the elevator is not going to get to the bottom and activate the bomb. But now we have a situation. We're in a small room with Larry and Slick and Human Fly enters the small room and Larry puts his gun to Slick's head and then confiscates human flies weapon pimp cane um something that honestly i just watched a documentary well i shouldn't say just watched maybe a month ago about evil knievel he walked with the pimp cane and i'm wondering is this a stuntman thing because human fly himself in real life pictures has this cane i thought that this was something they might have been adding into the story you know, for the design, the character design, but no, this is something that he actually carried. And there's proof. There's proof of this, uh, within this issue, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. What Larry doesn't know is that if you don't know what you're doing with a baton, you're going to get in trouble because if you activate it and he does the, uh, the knob on the top goes, fires out with the, cable and it's such a small room the end of the cane ricochets all over the place and in an enclosed space like the that they are in the cable will wrap around whoever is standing with it because human fly knocks slick out of the way but this thing flies all around the room and tangles larry up in it and larry is well he's done it's all done then we get a one panel not a one page a one panel wrap up to all of this and that's we see slick coming to his new home with a very 
pretty nurse pushing his wheelchair and human fly welcoming to his new home. And Slick says, yep, I'm going to work now, though. He's got a new job. Also, he's going to work with the Congressional Committee on Veterans Rights. And human fly says, start by helping your friend Larry. He needs you now. And so there's our happy ending. It covers all the bases we need to get covered. Um, he Slick is going to be an agent of change uh, and not because of a bomb, <laughs> but because he's actually getting involved in the political um, uh, uh, process and <laughs> help your friend Larry. So that's taken care of as well. Next, Niagara Nightmare. So let's be honest. There is some stupid stuff going on here. There is some stupid stuff wrapped up in some serious stuff. We have the veterans hospital issues that um, was going on, I guess, way back then. I, I remember hearing about this stuff in the 80s. And and then, of course, recently today with uh, Veterans Affairs uh, scandal going on uh, just a couple years ago, these serious problems came to light. And that is still not over. And honestly, it's still not right. I mean, whatever you believe uh, about war, about peace, about pacifism, about military aggression, whatever you believe, uh, the government that sends its people to war owes them care. The people that have sent those people to war owes them care. Uh, I can understand someone saying I'm against the war, so I don't owe these people anything. And, and there's I – can, I can understand someone saying that. I don't agree with it, though. Um, that's that's part of living in a community. That's part of living in a republic. Um, anyway, the government definitely does owe them. And we are the government, more or less. So stepping down from my political platform here, um, they these men who have been sent to do these things uh, to to fight – and to to kill and to defend and to, to see their own um, their own uh, brothers in arms get hurt and and die and and to see these things these these affect them not just on a physical level that is definitely a part of what's going on there there's there's social issues that get involved and and there's uh, emotional issues for them and 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 there's uh, mental issues going on there and it's not simple it's not a simple solution to any of these things that that happen that you know these reactions uh to the activities of their of their duties and there are long-reaching consequences to physical wounds and to emotional wounds and you know i don't know everything about what i'm talking about these issues uh, this, these are things that i'm you know picking up and observing and that kind of thing just it is a big big problem and you know this comic gets into it a little bit i mean clearly they're talking about vietnam vets i mean this is this is coming on the tail end of of the vietnam war or the vietnam police action or whatever you want to call it but these guys are veterans of that war and this is definitely something that would have been very very visible and you know, Larry and Slick have a case that makes sense. They're not getting the care that they need to be able to function, which isn't fair and isn't right. And they are desperate to take it up the chain of the command 
And who's at the, the top of that chain of command? The, the commander-in-chief. Uh, now, in this story, I wish that Larry didn't have shrapnel in his head because that kind of takes the edge off of things. Uh, it gives him a outer reason to have this these inner problems instead of dealing with like the actual inner reason to have uh, these problems. But maybe the edge needed to be blunted a little bit. I mean, this this is a comic book. This is meant for for younger readers. Uh, it's dopey and it's not that great. But I love that it does get into more of these social issues that, you know what, Human Fly, the comic, it tries to get in there. There are a couple problems, though. Like, for instance, it is like a one-hour primetime action TV series um, of the time, and then it has to wrap everything up with a nice little bow by the final panel, even if the story takes you right up to that final panel and then uses that one panel to wrap everything up. But, you know, for as dumb as a Human Fly comic can be, this, first of all, is in the upper half, I think, of issues and the fact that it gets into issues is, is very interesting as well. So then we have within the pages of this issue, the human fly visits the Marvel bullpen. And this is, um, it's a, it's kind of a muddy photo spread, black and white photos that are a little blurry. I mean, the printing process does not, um, help things along very much. Uh, but they put captions with uh, you know, word balloons on every picture, and you'd see Human Fly with Stan Lee, and and Human Fly with Archie Goodman, and Human Fly with Bill Mantlo, and then they announced the Human Fly stunt contest, where they ask people to send their stunt in, and how it can work, and that it will make it into the comic, and it will be drawn by a Marvel artist, and the person who does this will receive credit for that and and then some original art which uh, original art signed by human fly that's kind of cool it's kind of cool but you know i i don't know look at this point nothing is going to change my mind about human fly uh at this point i don't know how many issues are left in the series i but there is nothing about this series that would make me try to recommend it as a whole i guess to anyone I I would recommend issue number one. It's a curiosity. Pick it up if you ever see it. It's a curiosity. I might, you know, before the series is done, there might be a, an issue or two uh, at the end here of the run that honestly are good. And maybe I'll recommend those. I, I don't know. I, I haven't used my time machine yet to, you know, check into how many issues we have left. But I, I know this series is not not long for this world at this point, but I appreciate what they're trying to do with this. I appreciate that they were trying to enlighten readers about issues uh, like this. And I appreciate they were trying to make statements to get people thinking about these things. It just would work so much better if things just weren't so goofy. So, that's the coverage of the human fly issue number 15 next segment of the comic book time machines marvel's cosmic comics will be john carter warlord of mars issue number 18 so for now i want to say uh what i always say and i mean it thank you for listening thank you for spending your time with me to talk about 
comics, sometimes good, sometimes bad, and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, Tars Tarkus Battles Alone, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, issue number 18. sagas of Swamp Thing, Dead Man, The Spectre, and more. The Podcasting Hour. It's a rotating anthology series boasting the terrifying talents of Ryan Daly, Rob Kelly, Paul Hicks, Ben Avery, Doug Zavisha, and other unfortunate souls. Prepare for the unexpected, open a doorway to nightmare, and enter the houses of mystery and secrets. The moon is full, and the dark spirits are rising. For it's midnight, the podcasting hour. Coming this Halloween, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beware.